Walks like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal. Come here, the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest today is Claudine Andre von Lolo Yabanobo, which is a sanctuary located in the Democratic Republic of Congo that cares for orphaned bonobos. She's been looking after bonobos for more than 20 years. Bonobos being great apes, often overlooked amidst their higher-profile brethren, gorillas, chimpanzees, orangutans. Yet along with the common chimp, the bonobo is the closest living relative to humans. They're also seriously pursued by poachers, uh, driven chiefly by the bushmeat trade, which helps account for all the orphans. We'll discuss all this and more when we speak with Claudine presently later in today's show. We'll have a brief chat with Linda Hamilton, Executive Director of Animal Coalition of Tampa, ACT, about ACT's 13th annual Stride for Strays to be held October 20th this year in the much larger environs of Raymond James Stadium. We'll get to all that a little bit later in the show. First, I'd like to uh, take a couple of minutes to remind you that WNF's Fall Fun Drive starts tomorrow. And I've been signed a fundraising goal of $2,800 in one hour. So, if you're a fan of Talking Animals, if you like the shows we do, the interviews we conduct, we ask that you consider making an early pledge to support us today. One way to do that is by donating via our tip jar on the Talking Animals page on WMF.org. We'll have an array of exclusive thank you gifts that you can only get by supporting Talking Animals, ranging from insanely good tickets to see the Eagles at Tampa Bay Times Forum. Check this out. Write it down or go to a computer if you've got one handy now. Section 101, Row B. Seats 9 and 10. Wow! Copies of the amazing book as well, The Genius of Dogs by Dr. Brian Hare, and signed by Dr. Hare. Great tickets to see Anthony Jeselnik, a hotshot comic with his own show on Comedy Central, The Jeselnik Offensive. And uh, he'll also be performing at the Strass Center. We have tickets for that. So uh, all kinds of other gifts as well. Information about all our gifts and how to support Talking Animals and me can be found at TalkingAnimals.net. Right now, though, let's get to our discussion with Claudine with the reminder that we invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663 or emailing us at dj at wmnf.org. Let's welcome Claudine Andre to Talking Animals. Good morning, Claudine. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Animals. Very early your time, which I appreciate all the more. So I want to kind of start with an obvious topic, but but for maybe a less obvious reason. In the last few days, I've mentioned to some people that I'd be speaking with you today, and, and while many gushed about how magical uh, bonobos are and, and how sad their plight is, more than a few, including some some pretty serious animal people, seemed unsure what bonobos are. So so it might be crucial just to the rest of the conversation for us to begin by uh, you telling us a little bit about bonobos, just generally something uh, probably won't uh, take too much prodding on, on my part. So maybe give us a little little overview of what bonobos are and, and for those who are just not familiar with them. Uh, the bonobos are one of the four great great apes, uh, like uh, gorilla, chimpanzees, and orangutan. And the bonobo is the last was discovered around the year 1930. 30, and uh, is perhaps the one who will disappear very soon because, you know, 
my country, Republic Democratic Congo, is is very is a difficult politically country, and we have a lot of wars since '60. So I think the habitat of the bonobo is uh, more in danger by people hunters, bushmeat trade, than by deforestation. But the bonobo is a magic great ape, you know, is the one who never kill another bonobo. Nobody never see this. He make more love than war. Yeah. <laughs> the, the chimpanzees is more a warrior. A bonobo is more a hippie of the forest. Mm-hmm. Short, a long story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we're going to get into all that, uh, Claudine, for sure. But circling back to uh, a bit what I mentioned earlier, just about some some people even, again, very otherwise familiar with animals, maybe being unfamiliar with the bonobo, uh, it kind of underlines a, a, a sort of a, a key truism that they, they are the overlooked sort of great apes. But 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 what's less clear is, is why are they? Is it only because they're in such a very specific area of the world? Is that why... Uh, they're, they're just not as widely familiar to people? Yeah, they live only in the Republic Democratic of Congo. Mm-hmm. So nobody has the bonobo in, in outside DRC. It's why perhaps it's more and more difficult to, to save them. But uh, the bonobo is very special because it's behavior, because it's social organization, you know. It's the female who are the boss of the group, mm-hmm. but they are l- more small than the male, so they have to make a, an alien to, to be the boss. So it's a very strong alliance between the female to manage the aggressivity of, ma- of males. So it, they use, uh, but they use a, a good way. They manage, they manage the tension in the group through sex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but sex is, is really a peace language because the bonobo like to have a lot of serenity in the group. They don't like that, by example, the male try to take the power and, and disturb this serenity. And there, the very gentle bonobo female are not so gentle with the male. <laughs> oh, really? If 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 they if they kind of act up, you mean, and get out of line? Oh my God! They can. Oh, they can went long time that they continue to to disturb the group. But in, in one second, they all the aliens attack the two male and they they go on the canopy against them and fight one and the second one. They don't want to know who will begin to make trouble and the male uh, escape for two, three days. And when they come back, oh, they are like heroes. They say, come on, guys, you are our friend, but don't forget right. the rules in, in the group. <laughs> so so all is forgiven, but not all is forgotten in those situations, it sounds like. they. I'm sorry, you know, my... I'm not uh, English. My is not my first language. Sure, I, I, I speak French as a Belgium in Congo for many, many years. So, can you repeat the question? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just commenting on what you had explained that that when that when that male comes back that got in got in trouble that uh, he is forgiven. It sounds like and oh, welcomed back. God, yeah. But but what happened to get him sort of in trouble is not forgotten necessarily either. Yeah, the male doesn't forgot, but the female looks like they forgot very quickly. They come back like hero, and it's just a lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. The 
the, the alliance is there to manage the group, to keep quiet the tension in the group. And we can see this all the time. If we are in the forest with them and a big tree full of fruit is there, they, they begin to make sex together because perhaps they believe it can be uh, some trouble between individuals. So they prepare. They are really diplomats. Mm-hmm. We have to go at school to make diplomacy, not the bonobos. Yeah, they're, they have natural natural talents uh, for, for diplomacy, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we have so many things to learn about them, not especially about sex. Right. But, but how we can live in peace and, and try to use diplomacy before to go in war. This is important, I think. Yeah, well, you know, th- th- that brings me to sort of a point. I mean, I- I- I'm sure I'm I'm one of many, many, many people to point out sort of the, the, the awful irony of these very peaceful, highly loving animals trying to, to live their lives in such a war-ravaged region. Yes, it's, a, it, it's really a paradox and to be so peaceful and live in a country where it's so many troubles, so so difficult, so di- difficult to survive because the habitat is a very swamp forest. Also, it's really difficult to see the bonobo in the wild. And often, we speak with the hunters, and they say, you know, they are magician, magician. They can disappear in silence. We cannot find them. But you know, in the forest is a lot of nair. Of course. Around the release site where we release some bonobos in the wild, in the former habitat, of course the hunters are, we make a, a very big program of sensibilization education and they don't want to keep one in a, in a snare, but they put snare for other animals and sometimes bonobos are inside. Mm. So it's why we make so many, many uh, education, sensibilization and in Kinshasa, very far away from the release site near the, the main town, the, the capital of Congo, we have Lola Yabonobo, who means the, the paradise of Bonobo, where the Congolese authorities, after the confiscation, official confiscation of baby Bonobo who are sell on the street of Kinshasa as pet, bring her and have the chains to make a good application of the law because they have a place to put this confiscated bonobo. Mm-hmm. So today, after 20 years, we we have 67 bonobo who grow up in three very, very large enclosures. And after 20 years and <laughs> and a lot of bonobo later, we decide to go to reintroduction. But th- there is a very different work because we have to, to work with the local communities, you know. It's a, a conservation with the integration of the local population. But after two decades of war, they are so poor, and we have to help them to, with, with help for their school, their, their dispensary, their local NGOs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so poverty, the poverty is there, and we have to be partners to serve to. Together, 
the bonobo that we release in the wild. Right. Well, um, I yeah, and I want to talk a little, uh, you know, obviously more about the the sanctuary and how some of those bonobos get there. Let me just first let people know this is Talking Animals. If you just tuned in, my guest is Claudine Andre, founder of Lolo Ya Bonobo, the sanctuary in the Democratic Republic of Congo for orphaned bonobos. If you'd like to ask Claudine a question or offer a comment, uh, please call 813-239-9663 or email dj at wmnf.org. So, Claudine, so so let's talk a little bit more. You've kind of made a reference to it, but let's talk a little bit more about how, how those bonobos end up at at your sanctuary. I mean, it, obviously, poaching is a, a sort of a constant, constant problem in that area, correct? Yeah, bushmeat, bushmeat is, a, is a big problem because it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. It's a mix of poverty, poverty, business, tradition, taste for bushmeat. It's a lot of things together, and we cannot really find a solution. We, we help local population, but it's a business. It's a business, and more and more bonobos arrive. And you know, when they arrive, they are in a terrible state. Um, they are dehydrated. They have so many problems. You know, a baby bonobo lives four, five years with her, where with the mom, mm-hmm. but very, very close. Yeah. The mom bonobo have a baby, have it six years only. And so this baby bonobo is not killed when the mom is killed because it's too small. And if they smoke this meat, uh, it's nothing stay on the bone. So they try to sell this baby as pet. And when they, they arrive in the sanctuary, they just have one idea, died without the mother a baby bonobo want to die. So we have surrogate mo- uh, human mother who give them all the time since they arrival to give them just a taste to live again. And if you see the, the regard in the eyes of this bonobo, how they look at the surrogate new mother, they just it, it's just more than a kid because it's just all the hope to survive is in their eyes. And is a very close relation with the mom, substitute mother, a Congolese mother, and they stay with, with them as they stay long time with their mother in the wild. So after two, three years, they are introduced in a big enclosure where is a large group of bonobos, and they are rehabilitated, and they are just like wild bonobos. So, yeah, so basically uh, they arrived at the babies, as, as you kind of said, uh, because of the bushmeat trade, the, the mother is unfortunately hunted and killed for the bushmeat trade, but like, as you said, the, the babies are so small that they either try to sell them uh, in some sort of, I guess, uh, trade of, of that kind. But otherwise, they end up ultimately at your sanctuary. And then when they're so young, they, they how uh, so they, are they with the, the surrogate mother there at the sanctuary for, for a number of years? Like they, because you said they otherwise would be with their bonobo mother for four or five years at least. How does that work with the surrogate mother? How, how long are they together? No, he's very... It's very close. It's just a nursery or or a garden, a kindergarten. And uh, in the morning, the mom arrives with the bus from the town, and they are waiting, waiting for them. They open the door of the night quarter, and nope, they jump in their arm. It's a very, very close um, relationship with the mom. And the mom gave the bath. They, they receive... Uh, 
a bottle of milk. So it's just a kindergarten. Mm-hmm. But it's, we need this because, you know, all the life of baby bonobos and bonobos turn around a very close, very nice relation together. So the first one that we have to do in, in the sanctuary is rehabilitate this, this uh, little orphan. And then after, they are the support of the education program we have in Lolaya Bonobo. We receive 30,000 kids all the year with the school to come and, and see the Bonobo. It's, it's a semi-freedom place, so they can see the Bonobo just like they are in the wild. Mm. And it's very important to educate the urban population because it's this population who ask for bushmeat and send the bullet in the wild often. So education is my motto and the one of my association. Conser- conservation begins by education. Sure. But also in Lola, it's important to study the bonobo. And people like uh, Professor Brian Hare, by example, come with their students and study better the behavior of bonobo, the mind they have, the ent- how, how much they are intelligent. And it's important to know more about this so close animal, so close of us, and it can disappear very soon. And after this, some stay in Lola, yeah, bonobo who means the paradise of Bonobo for the rest of their life because they cannot return to the wild. They are too traumatized. They are not mm. able. They mm-hmm. are mutilated sometimes. And um, the other one can return to the, the wild to be reintroduced in the former habitat very far from Kinshasa, 500 miles away in the middle of the swamp forest habitat. Wow. Well, so, um, I, yeah, I want to find out a little bit more about how they're released or how you decided which ones are released. But, but another thing that when you talked about uh, Dr. Hare and others coming over and bringing students over to study, I mean, w- one of the things that I think is interesting th- that, again, a lot of people just don't seem to be that familiar with bonobos is the, how closely related they are. You know, other than, I guess, what the common chimp, they're, they're, they're most related to humans. Isn't there like 98 more than 98% of the same sort of DNA as humans? Yes, it, it, it's true. But chimpanzees also are very close of us. But uh, something is so different in the with the bonobos, mm-hmm. their behavior. And it's important we know more about how this society functions. And Dr. Hare brings his students um, because we want to know more about them, how close they are from us, how they are so unique. And uh, Lola Yabonobo is a, it means paradise by bonobo, for Bonobo, by mm-hmm. the way. The yeah. It's very important to have a place like this where the Bonobo are in semi-freedom, but really... Um, have the same behavior than in the wild, very uh, easy to study them. And Brian Hare and his students make fantastic um, studies to know more about bonobos because, you know, a bonobo in captivity is really different than a, a wild bonobo. And Lolaia bonobo is semi-freedom. So the bonobo are free in, in a large, large enclosure, 70... Um, we have 70 acres, and enclosure are 20, 30 acres square. Mm. So the bonobo have a behavior just look like in, in, in the wild. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know more 
about an animal so close. Uh, we can study them because Lola Yabonovo is easy to study them. And in the wild, it's so difficult. And in, in, the, in captivity, they are so different. Claudine, so, so in fact, in, in captivity, apart from, from, uh, from your sanctuary, I mean, aren't they, isn't it quite rare for them to be in captivity? I mean, even if someone uh, in the States wanted to see uh, uh, bonobos, I mean, there's a, what, just a very small number of places where, where you could see bonobos. Yeah, they, I think they are not so happy in captivity. Yeah. And it's difficult to maintain them alive in captivity. Mm. In Lola Yabonobo, perhaps our secret very early in the beginning when they arrive, it's the love that this surrogate mother gives them to be rehabilitated after the poacher killed their own mother. And this relation between the, the the real mother and after the surrogate mother is so important for the development, psychologic development of this baby bonobo. And it's why perhaps they survive very well in semi-freedom, like in Lola Yabonobo. Mm-hmm. And they are organized like in the wild, in big groups. And yes, it's a is a good success for the survival of the bonobo. And their behavior are really natural. So for Professor Brian Hare, or study their psychology, they, the, the behavior, it is a very nice place to have bonobo half close as the one who lived, the last one who lived in the, in the Democratic Republic of Congo forest. Mm-hmm. And so, as you're talking about these, um, the surrogate mothers, Claudine, I, I'm wondering when someone decides to be a surrogate mother for for these babies, these bonobo babies, do, do they kind of need to commit to a certain amount of time? Just from the attachment that you're talking about and, and how traumatized these babies have been, I would think it must be very, very important for that surrogate mother to to show up, to, to be there, and mm-hmm. how, how difficult it would be for that baby if then the surrogate mother was somehow missing or gone for a period of time. Yes, for sure. The first part of our job in the in Lola Yabonobo, the sanctuary, it's mean, by the way, the paradise of Bonobo in our langu- local language. Mm-hmm. It's very important, this first step of rehabilitation. This baby Bonobo needs really someone who gives love and this uh, this um, new mother, they have give them love and they rehabilitate them in this almost the same way that a natural mo- mother. And they have to be long time, five years in this nursery, what we call the nursery, where the the, the substitute mother give them love enough to be like another free bonobos. And and so then after, after the 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 surrogate mother has kind of nursed them through their their infancy and and they're a little bit older and then ultimately into the wider area of of the sanctuary, how do you determine which bonobos eventually can be released and which ones maybe just aren't really uh, good good candidates to to be released back uh, out? Out in the wild. Ah, this is a, a, a big job for sure. You have a lot. You have to have a lot of quality first, not to be afraid, mm-hmm. be intelligent. All the quality like a, a, a human have to have when he 
he's alone on an island, by example. So it's a big job with with the the keepers, the people, the surrogate mother, everybody. We make when we prepare a reintroduction, we speak a lot. We speak a lot about each candidate mm-hmm. and also how they are friends together. So it, it's a big discussion. It, it's something like we will release a group of humans a very small group on the moon, and we have to choose the candidate. So mm-hmm. we, it's a big, big job yeah. together with the keepers, with the substitute mother who know them very well. Also. Sure. Yeah, no, it sounds like a very serious decision that uh, takes a lot of time and careful careful consideration for each individual uh, bonobo. Yes, it, it, it is. It is. And it's a big challenge also because we, we transport them uh, 1,000 kilometers from there, and there's no way to come back in the middle of the forest. They have to learn everything, and we make a lot of training in the in the preparation. We we make a lot of training to find alone their fruit and and uh, sprout. We learn them a lot of things to mm-hmm. be good candidate to return. Right, because it sounds like once you've decided to release them, they are released a good distance from the sanctuary. So obviously your 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 decision and your hope, at least, is once they're released, they're going to yeah. be fine on their own. For sure. It's, yeah. a, it's a big pre- period of preparation. And yeah. we follow the guidelines of IUCN. International Union for Conservation of Nature is very strong, very strict. We cannot return animals like this in the forest. They have to be prepared. They have vaccination. They have a lot of things that we have to prepare with them to be sure of the success. Yeah. So let me uh, let, remind people that uh, may have just be tuning in. This is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is Claudine André, founder of Lolo Ya Bonobo, the sanctuary in the Democratic Republic of Congo for orphaned bonobos. Uh, we have just a few more minutes with uh, Claudine. If you'd like to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663 or emailing dj at WMNF. Dot org. So it sounds like, you know, as you're describing this, uh, Claudine, some of this seems like a bit of a parallel with the work of um, Dr. Dame Daphne Sheldrick with Orphaned Elephants. Are you familiar with her and, and her work? Oh, of course. No, I'm not really working with her. because No, no, no. I just mean that it sounds similar. Away. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a kind of the same, same. Uh, she have probably the same problem than me. Right. Find an orphan. And and try to rehabilitate slowly to come to come a, a normal adult animal. Yeah. And, but with the bonobo is also very very difficult. I know it's also difficult for each animal who who is orphan. But with really a baby bonobo just want to die without love. You know. Yeah. They are very special animal. They they manage everything with sex and cont- real contact with the siblings. So when they lose the mom, they are really orphan. And you know, I have five kids myself, mm-hmm. but I never have the same regard in the eyes of this baby bonobo when they look at the surrogate mother. He's really done, done abandon me again. Uh, mm. It's very close animal of our behavior and it's something very difficult for us we, we it's just like it's a line between our two words and we cross this line all the time we know they are animals but they are 
so close of us. We cross the line all the time with, with this. Sometimes they are so close of us. Sometimes they are completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's like autism. Sometimes we lose the contact, but they come back in our world or like we go in their world. We are very close, so close. Well, and also as you're, as you're discussing the, the, the sort of, uh, you know, connection and the regard between the, the orphaned infants and, and their surrogate mothers, um, and that kind of reminds me that in terms of just other differences between um, bonobos and, and other great apes, the eye contact is is kind of a, a, a pretty notable one, right? Because aren't yeah, most yeah. of the other great apes sort of, that's trouble often when you make eye contact. Oh, you are totally right. Chimpanzees escape all the time your regard. Gorilla doesn't like it uh, at all. I don't know very well about the orangutan, but uh, in African apes, perhaps the bonobo, but bonobo go in deep in your eyes. Perhaps you try to go in your soil. Mm-hmm. You know more about you. Do you will be kind with them? It's something very, very important, especially in the beginning when they are in the rehabilitation period with the surrogate mother. Yeah. You cannot imagine how they can go in their eyes to see, please be kind with me, I love you. This is very special. Yeah, it sounds like they're incredibly vulnerable at that point, but that it also sounds like even as they are nursed along by the surrogate mothers and others at the sanctuary, there's always kind of a, a powerful eye contact that that happens again as opposed to other apes where you either wouldn't want to make eye contact or it'd be problematic in that uh, in that situation so again they're just uh, very very different but again it's keeping in you know it's sort of in keeping with their with their very peaceful loving uh, natures i guess yeah but when they be they are big they are really big eh? yeah Not so big and Strong like the, the the chimpanzees, but bonobos are also big chimps. Right. When they grow up, they are not so easy to manage them. Huh? <laughs> well, you know that's an interesting point. But I would think, based on how different their nature is than than chimps, that obviously we know can be come very uh, aggressive and of course are very very strong either at the sanctuary or otherwise uh, have there have there been problems when when a bonobo becomes full grown and and again is is strong and powerful with any sort of attacks uh, on anybody or they just they're just so peaceful and loving that they just don't attack anyone under any circumstance oh you know we we have to be careful all the time bonobo are wild animal you know mm-hmm. and a, a wild animal is not like a pet it's not like a cat and a dog. Sure. And you can have, for sure, dogs very aggressive. And and we never have to forget that they have bad memories also. And some are traumatized by people who, who cut a piece of fingers to make a juju, a magical juju, things like this. So we are working with white animals. So we have to be care about, for sure, all the time. They have their own organization. We have to respect this. And, and when they are big, it's just when we prepare to reintroduce them in the wild that the keepers and the, the students follow them in the enclosure. But for the every day, they are in large enclosure and visitors come to see them around enclosure. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's they are white animal. Right. So you still have to be very, very careful, even allowing for their for their natures being as kind and sweet. They're still big, powerful, wild animals. Yeah. Well, so so Claudine, how many? Uh, I mean, bonobos, of course, seem very rare, and and their numbers seem to have been dwindling. What well, do you have a sense of what the what the current bonobo population is approximately? <laughs> this is. This is a very good question because we are in peace not so for a long, long time. And the habitat of Bonobo is a swampy forest, often a large part is swampy forest. I think nobody knows exactly because you can hear scientists to go to, to make inventory. We try now to harmonize the inventory. Uh, I'm sorry, perhaps I speak. My my English is a little bit complicated. No, no, I think, no, no, I got you, yeah. <laughs> you can make a translation for me if I'm too French-speaking. But, you know, nobody knows exactly, I think. Yeah. Some say 5,000, some say, oh, no, perhaps 15,000. When I'm deep in the forest on my canoe, I, I, I hear people who say, oh, before they are here, but they disappear, they are poaching, and... and we have a war country for many, many years, and pe- population is very poor. And, okay, they they are bushmeat also, you know? Mm-hmm. They are bushmeat. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, perhaps to make in the middle, perhaps 10,000? I see. Something so- like this. So, what is the what does the future hold then for the bonobos? Are, are, are how how optimistic are you about just sort of what the future for for the bonobo? Ah, this is a very difficult question to answer. I hope my country. I say my country because I lived there for sixty three years. So sure, I think it's my country. Right. I hope we will stay in peace mm-hmm. because it's a lot. This is a very important condition to to keep them alive also, because when we are war, it's no food in the forest. And of course, even in certain regions of the Bonobo habitat, people leave them. But it's bush meat. It's a a piece of the bush meat also. (laughs) To protect all the Bonobo, we have to stay in peace and have more and more people, more and more scientists return uh, in the wild to study them, more NGOs who protect the wildlife are involved with the local communities and try to give them a better life and save the, the people is a way to save also the wildlife. You know, we have to, to go in a, another long period of peace to, to make this job come true. Yeah. Well, and again, as you mentioned earlier, conservation begins with education, and you're obviously doing a lot there, and it's so great to, to speak with you today. And again, we've been speaking with Claudine Andre. The, the sanctuary's name is Lolia Bonobo. The website is friendsofbonobos.org. Uh, Claudine, thank you so much for uh, making the time uh, to speak with us today on Talking Animals. Uh, I think I and probably uh, folks listening learned all kinds of really fascinating things about bonobos, and I just really appreciate and admire all your work for all these years. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to, to give my patient for bonobos so unique animal, and uh, I hope you will 
revive. <laughs> yes. I'm well, with your help, I'm sure they will. Thank, thank you again so much. Thank you. Have a good day, Nicole. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. In just a few minutes, we'll speak with Linda Hamilton about the industrial size. Stride for Stray is coming up this year, October 20th at Raymond James Stadium. Right now, let's step into the Talking Animals Comedy Corner. Let's hear a short piece from Paula Poundstone called 12 Cats on today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals. I have... Uh... We, well, we, have, uh, we just got three new kittens because we had kind of a shortage there for a while. <laughs> we have 12 cats. Um, I know, it's a lot of cats. I, it is. And it's just as disgusting as you might think it would be. <laughs> I sift all day long. It's the first thing I do in the morning and the last thing I do at night, and I do it many times in between. And sometimes I'm not even at home, and I just kind of have like a residual. (laughs) People think it's Parkinson's. I said, no, 12 cats. All right, it is a lot of cats. That was uh, Paula Poundstone with a piece called 12 Cats, taken from her album I Heart Jokes. All right, she's the executive director of the Animal Coalition of Tampa, here to tell us about their forthcoming Stride for Strays event. Let's welcome Linda Hamilton back to Talking Animals. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Listen, 12 Cats does not sound like a lot to me. Well, there you go. See, it's all relative, isn't it? But uh, So, Linda, let's, let's jump in with just uh, a quick description of Animal Coalition of Tampa just for... Some folks who, you know, may be uh, listening who aren't as familiar as they should be with it. All righty. Well, ACT is a, uh, a group of mission-based people, and we're working really hard to improve the fates of uh, dogs and cats in our county and surrounding counties. We get a lot of traffic from surrounding counties as well. We do just the medical end. We um, we have a high-quality, affordable clinic that that. Uh, focuses on space and neuters, and we also get into really whatever the animal can do or needs and what we can do and um, what we have the equipment and the license to do. And again, to to fund all those uh, services and things that you provide, there's 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 big events. So that brings us to to. to I, I happen to work with just a whole lot of people who care more about the uh, the animal than they do about the balance in our checkbook, uh, except of course for the controller. Yes. So um, we have to make debits equal credits. And so once a year for 13 years, we've held um, this Stride for Strays. It's a 3K walk um, for uh, people that support us. Um, We've been uh, moving from park to park until finally this year. Seems like the uh, stars aligned a few months ago, and we got the wonderful opportunity to to um, be at the uh, radium J- or the Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, you, you've gone big. That's a we've big, big, big. Uh, yeah. We, you know, we started off with 32 walkers, and we had no sponsors on our backs, and we said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we better get busy. And so every year we've been looking for a way to let's climb up a little bit higher, let's add a little bit, let's ask people what they want. And Curtis Hickson was a good place to be, but our vendors and our clientele and even our walkers and supporters said, yeah, but you got to pay the parking down there. That could have been a couple more beers, and um, which, of course, uh, is donated to us. Sure. And um, 
we uh, listen to them, and Raymond James is just perfect. We're delighted. Doors have opened. This this is not the same picture show. This yeah. So so run down like uh, um, you know. First of all, uh, just to be really clear, this is taking place on Sunday, October twentieth. Right, a and, third Sunday of every October. Right, from nine a.m. to four p.m. at Raymond James. So so kind of run down. In addition to to the three K walk, like some of the other. You know, okay. activities, events, things that uh, people might find, especially okay. if they're not inclined maybe to do the walk. There, there's still plenty of other uh, oh, yeah. things to. We're going to do the walk. We're going to do the walk at nine thirty. We've got the uh, roller derby girls that are going to be leading the walk because it's all in the um, the stadium, um, and we've got it all mapped out so that they'll show everybody where to go. And they're a young group that just has a lot of energy and has a lot of fun. Um, when the walk is finished, or for those of us who choose not to put ourselves in our, our doggies through that right. uh, exercise, and our cats, they want to stay home, um, then the rest of the day is for people that just that want to stay and party with us. Come for the walk, stay for the party. Sure. Uh, people dish. In the past, we've always had just our donor base and the people that have always been there. We we haven't reached out to them. They're very important. They're our backbone, and they've always been with us. But because of the venue, we have a lot of people reaching back to us this time. And so we continue with the, the Doggy Fun Zone, which was extremely popular last year. That's that um, agility run yeah. that comes in from out of town. And the biggie this year, I think, is going to be the Dock Divers. They've got a, a, a great big swimming pool. They'll be bringing in the day before, filling up for, for uh, a pool for um, competitive diving. Okay. You can get on their website to see what your dog needs to do to, to dive, can, competitively with them, or you can just sit around the, the bleachers and watch watch them do that. We've got the local firemen that's bringing out their canines. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We've got three local um, bands this year. We've got the uh, Quivering Rhythm Hounds, Johnny G. Lion, and the Lint Rollers. Nice, nice, so nice. There are some local, very popular bands. For sure. Yeah. We're wow. Having an, uh, did I mention the Adoptable? Um, uh, pet walk. Now that the adoptable pet walk will not be three k. Yes, it's just a parade, basically, probably rather than a walk. I would say, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a parade. Yeah, cool. Well, no, it just seems like there's a uh, chock uh, chock full of uh, action and activities and events and stuff. Oh, yeah. So we've got the com- Kia Comfort Zone that'll be doing massages for people and pets. Nice. And some complimentary nail trims, and it's it's just. It promises to be a day that we've never seen before. Yeah. So we're very excited about all of it. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, we're just about out of time, so let me uh, let people know that, that to, to find out more and get involved. Okay. And uh, there's a dedicated website for this, strideforstrays.org. Right, or they can go to our regular site, right. which is actampa.org. Right. And it's all over, and it'll have a link. Yeah. Take you right so any which way you can get uh, all your info and find out uh, 
you know, about uh, dock diving and maybe doing the walk or whatever, whatever, whatever grabs your fancy, exactly. I guess, right? Yeah. There's enough there that you can pick and choose. Cool. All right, Linda. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for making the time to join us again on Talking Animals. And uh, sounds like it's going to be a total extravaganza for Stride for Strays October 20th at Raymond James Stadium. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. All right, I'm Duncan Strauss. In a few minutes or so, we'll play Name That Animal Tune. The winner will receive a copy of David. David Kirby's amazing book, Death at SeaWorld, Shamu and the Dark Side of Killer Whales in Captivity. We'll do that in a few moments here on Talking Animals. Right now, it's time for uh, animal news and announcements. And uh, I have to start with this uh, crazy, horrible thing locally. This, I took this from the Associated Press, but all kinds of people nationally and elsewhere have covered this. Dateline, of course, St. Petersburg, Florida. Wildlife officials say a 13-foot alligator that was trapped or trapped in St. Petersburg shouldn't have been killed. Lieutenant Gary Morse of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Agency's field office in Lakeland told the Tampa Bay Times the alligator hunter got some misinformation from one of their officers. Morse says the gator's September 25th death is being investigated. Morse's trapper... Hovan Johansson had a countywide alligator permit. When he received his permit, he also got a manual that clearly states trapping is prohibited in, in quote-unquote, incorporated cities and municipalities. George Heinrich, a local wildlife biologist, says the gator, some called Big Al for years, and says it wasn't a nuisance. St. Petersburg Mayor Bill Foster says he hopes the wildlife agency, quote, prosecutes under the full extent of the law. And uh, saw this recently, I think a day or two ago, in the New York Times, uh, all about, uh, well, the headline at least was Rollover Fat Chance, just talking about pets and uh, unfolding obesity problem and some of the same uh, issues that uh, can happen to us humans with uh, obesity, including diabetes, arthritis, high blood pressure, and kidney and respiratory disease, and, and more. So you might want to search for that. they go on to talk about some of the uh, Exercise programs, fitness programs at kennels and pet spas, otherwise that people can do to help address the obesity in their pets. Last week, we spoke with Mary LaHaye, uh, who is coming into town next week to uh, give her presentation called Puppy Mills from Iowa to Florida. So uh, next Wednesday, October 9th, it's at St. Petersburg College Veterinary Technology Center at 7 p.m. Thursday the 10th at SPCA Largo and uh, Saturday the 12th. Uh, at Regency Park Branch Library. That's at 2 p.m. All the details and how to find out more or follow up by phone, etc. You can go to iafriends, iafriends.org. That's uh, the website for her organization. And uh, quickly running through again uh, those, the multifaceted weekend of October 19th and 20. Again on the 19th, Tampa Bay Veg Fest from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Cotonchobee Fort Brook Park. Food, music, games. Exhibitors, info on local nonprofits, adoptions, etc. Speakers, including Jane Velez Mitchell, Dr. Neil Bernard, Dr. Milton Mills, Ellen Jaffe Jones, and others. Films, including Vegucated, Bethany's Story, The Paw Project. Go to TampaBayVegFest.org for info about that. Of course, that's the same weekend of Stride for Strays on the Sunday. We just spoke detail, obviously, with Linda. Hamilton about that. Also, that same weekend, October 20th as well, from noon to 6 p.m., is Doctoberfest at the Shops at Wiregrass. All kinds of cool things, doggy costume contests, pet adoptions, entertainment, and much more. So you can find out details further on that at dogtoberfesttampa.org. And then also that weekend, following up, closing out that Sunday the 20th, is Fashion Feathers and Fur 
And that's a fashion show featuring adoptable dogs, live entertainment, hors d'oeuvres, silent live auctions, and more. And that uh, proceeds from that benefit Dogma Pet Rescue, Florida Car- uh, Parrot Rescue, Second Chance Boxer Rescue. It's going to be held at Keel and Curly Winery. And you can find out more, get tickets, etc. by going to fashionfeathersandfur.com. All right, let's uh, quickly uh, get into Name That Animal Tune. You uh, do not have to be a WMNF member, and there'll be a prize, a copy of David Kirby's great book, Death at SeaWorld, to the first person who calls in the correct title of this animal song to 813-239-9663. It's Name That Animal Tune on Talking Animals. All right, I think you know that one. We'll take that off off the uh, air if you uh, do want to guess that. We have reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. I'll be back next Wednesday, October 9th, when my friend Laura Taylor and I will be seeking your support for Talking Animals in the last full day of WMNF's Fall Fun Drive that starts tomorrow. But again, I'm really hoping you'll consider making an early pledge. How about right now? There's no way I can reach that crazy $2,800 goal that's been set for me next Wednesday without walking in with a fistful of donations. So uh, please help whatever way you can. Go to TalkingAnimals.net. It's all clearly explained and easy to do uh, by visiting that website. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. And uh, again, also at uh, Talking Animals, we have a link to the uh, Talking Animals Facebook page, TalkingAnimals.net, Facebook page, Twitter feed, and more. So like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And again, just go to TalkingAnimals.net for all your animal needs. NPR News is next. Thanks very much for listening.